Welcome back to Two Shot Mind Podcast. I'm Liam Toms. With me, as always, is Edward Crawley. And how you doing? Is our... yeah, <laughs> hi, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry about that. Just, uh... A little bit of flair there today. Well, no, there was a bit of a pregnant pause, and uh, I thought, oh, should I fill it? <laughs> wow, you did a good job. <laughs> I was going to say, welcome to our show where we talk about music, uh, just as we've been doing for. 20 something years over 20 years but we always like to stipulate that the podcast has only been going for about a couple of years you know we, we mean as mates we've been getting together for 20 years so that, uh, that's unfortunately what, that's what on. you were gonna say yeah oh go on then say it <laughs> uh as we've been doing as friends for <laughs> over 20 years uh, but unfortunately good. we still aren't together we're having to do this via the medium of the <laughs> internet Without, uh, by together <laughs> he means for the podcast <laughs> it's not 20 years we've known each other and we still haven't committed um none of us have commitment issues that's not the reason no, um, you, you are you're, you're swinging your wedding ring <laughs> in front of the uh the facetime i noticed as you're saying that uh, I'd be very happy with you, Liam. We've been friends for this long. I know you in and out. Uh, <laughs> and I could do far worse, right? <laughs> That's very kind of you. As you can probably tell, we're um, we're a little bit out of practice because it's been a while since we've um, sat down to record. Uh, I think we've just about recovered from the big Mammoth Album Club episode that we did to kick the year off. Uh, but today it's kind of back to sort of business as usual, I guess. We've got a, a main topic, which is going to be band logos uh, and everything around that. But before we get on to that topic, uh, I thought we might just catch up. How have you been? What's new? Any musical adventures in your life? Well, yeah. How are you living? Yeah, well, I'm I'm living all right. Um, that's living all right. Um, what program was that? I don't know. Oh, I'll find it out. Anyway, well, yeah, it's been good. I did um, dry January uh, with alcohol um, and with uh, with chips as well. So I'm going to say, what else do you do dry January with? Well, I don't know what you'd call um, salt-free January. Well, no, Christ, I've been having the salt. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so we uh, just took a break off alcohol. Still haven't drank now. I didn't jump straight on it. I think I'll probably have my first drink on Friday, maybe. Um, yeah, work yourself up to it. Yeah, well, it's it's also my um Maybe a my elder- shandy on Thursday. No, I don't, I don't, don't drink shandies. <laughs> I don't drink lemonade. Um, but it's the, it's the boys. It's Fred's fifth birthday on Friday, so I figured I'd have a, okay. a, a beer to celebrate. Um, but yes, I will still he be having chips. one? Um, do you know what? If he says, "Daddy, can I have a sip?" I'll give him a sip, but he won't. He'll be terrified of it. <laughs> he sees what it does to Daddy. Where's your mother? Daddy's on that special drink again. Get my sauce. That's just the relentless. I haven't touched them since tour. <laughs> I had to wean myself off them. Um, maybe I'm a bit tetchy uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I've just finished the um, the NerfX uh, biography. Um, oh right, yeah, which you've been um, slowly uh, revealing parts to me. Well, actually, you've not really told me much about the story. More just uh, how shocked and appalled you've been. Um, and- well, I- well, yeah. So it's called the um, the hepatitis bathtub and other stories. So the name is a big clue, really. 
Yeah, the hepatitis thing is about uh, a group of guys. Um, the drummer from NerfX was addicted to heroin for seven, eight years, played in the band, recorded albums while on it, but would shoot up any chance he could. And he lived in a squat. And everyone, bar him, had hepatitis. So everyone who used the bath, they called it the hepatitis bath. And that's just, that's mild. That is a mild story <laughs> but, from the book. But that's safe enough for them to put on the cover. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. So if you have any, I don't want to go into it because some of the parts are, I. so I did the audio book, which is amazing actually, because all the guys in the band, so rather than have like chapter one, chapter two, and it's like an ongoing story, uh, the chapters are called the names of the guys in the band. So you'd have like chapter one, Smelly, who's the the drummer. Um, and then he would, so it is chrono- chronological order for the band's career and from where they started as children and how they got into punk rock, no effects, up until the sort of present, di- almost present day, maybe three, four years ago. I can't, I can't work out exactly where it finishes. Um so it builds up, builds up, goes through the members that they had. Kazel Hefe wasn't an original guitarist. They had two other guitarists. And it is, yeah, it's just, imagine a, a punk band sort of starting out in the 80s. The, I think a lot of their stuff is well known. It's it's quite well documented that Fat might wait until he was 30 to do drugs and stuff because he wanted to wait until he had enough money to do it properly. But the rest of the band <laughs> certainly didn't wait. And, you know, as you can imagine, they've had trials and tribulations with all of it and everything that comes from it. But some of it is horrifying, not just to do with drugs, but other stuff. It's, it, it, yeah, it's it's a real tough listen at times, but I was glad I did it because it's also very interesting. And it's, I feel like I'm more, I feel like I've got a new appreciation for the band, for what they've been through. So I think if you were to, what I would say is if you, if you're a bit put off by the nastiest stuff of the real world that's going on and you, you purposely choose to avoid it, avoid this book because it's perhaps read um, or listen to uh, Alex James from Blur's book instead. Well, there's a few bits in that, which are a bit, he lives in a a squat. It was mostly about cheddar. Well, (laughs) he lives in a squat at one point, Um, but maybe, maybe listen to something fictional like a nice book about someone winning the lottery. That would Spot be nice, dog. wouldn't it? And a lottery book where they, they keep the money and they invest and they do well out of it, not spunk it all. Um, <laughs> but like it, a classic uh, daily sport um, <laughs> reader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if, you, if you like NerfX or you like the history of punk and the ins and outs about it, I would recommend listening to it. I wouldn't read it. I, don't, if I, I think if I was reading it, I wouldn't have finished it. Because yeah, I, I didn't start it. it. I, I was lent a copy of it by a colleague and it sat in the top drawer of my desk for about a year. And I kept looking at it and was just thinking, I'm not sure it's for me. <laughs> and I mean, I'm an EarthX fan somewhat, fair yeah, weather. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I like what I like. But um, yeah, I never dived in. And eventually he said, look, mate, someone else wants to borrow it now. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so no, I didn't start, but um, no, I'd, uh, I've uh, perhaps had something more wholesome that I've been enjoying uh, okay, in, yeah. in the past couple of weeks, uh, which has been the Jimmy Eat World uh, live streams. So oh, say live course, streams. Yeah. They're not actually live. 
they are pre-recorded uh, album shows that they've they've done. Um, but I've been absolutely blown away by the quality of it. Oh, good. Now, for people that like that element of when you tune into a live stream of feeling like you're there watching it and it's happening as you see it, then I can understand that maybe it wouldn't be for you or, you, or that might take a bit of enjoyment away. But what I would say is that you are getting that guarantee of um, – that it's not going to cut out and that the audio is going to be good. And the visuals are incredible. They, I think they filmed it all in some sort of a kind of abandoned like space that they found. Uh, but they've done two albums so far, which were surviving, which is the most recent yeah. Jimmy album. Uh, and then they did futures and they visually looked different. So they've used different lighting. It's almost like when a band does a particular tour and they have like a set, like production for it, they've done that same thing for these shows. So yeah. the surviving one was very like, bright and you know um almost like reflective of the album artwork like that sort of like bright orange so that yeah that had a lot of that going on uh but then futures they really went back to that sort of like cold sort of desolate look again oh, from like cool. the album artwork of that and they even did like a little almost like a marvel thing at the end of the surviving one because they're doing them out of order they're doing them in just like they're doing three random albums in a row but it's not in chronological order. In fact, they've gone backwards. Uh, but at the end of the surviving one, like they finish playing and it's sort of like all rung out and the credits rolled. Then at the end, it like cut to the same empty room, but with a phone booth, like from the album artwork and the phone was just ringing and it sort oh. of like zoomed in and then it just cut out. So it's like they've made it into a good series. And I wonder whether they're going to do more after this because the initial three uh surviving futures and clarity uh there'll be i think clarity is a week this friday so after that that's that's it done then but i wonder whether they're sort of just testing the waters a little bit with these few albums and then they'll see whether they do some more because obviously they've got seven or albums that they can do well yeah so in terms of the the production it, it you know there's there's a team, there's an editor, there's a, probably a producer, there's a, yeah. a design specialist or whatever, you know, there's a creative, you know, it sounds like they've actually put money into it to, to so, make it I mean, look good. They're not a band that typically do stuff by halves anyway. Um, and they're all creative guys, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think Jim actually mixed it all as well. So that like some work's gone into perfecting the sound after. It's not just the the raw export of sound from the board when they actually played. Does it still so, have a live feel? Yeah, it does. I think surviving when I was watching that perhaps less so because obviously they recorded that fairly recently and that album was d- designed to sound raw and to sound mm. live. So there wasn't much of a difference. I noticed it more on, on futures. Obviously that's like 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. So you, and that was perhaps a bit more interesting because it was new renditions of the old songs. I mean, they, they kept it fairly sort of true to what those original tracks were, but um, even just the fact that they've got that fifth member now that, um, that plays with them, like even him being with them just kind of added a slightly different dimension to some of the songs. But so it's been so great. It would be interesting to see what clarity sounds like being. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the recording of that is that? pretty, yeah. I mean, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Cause that was what, 21 years ago now. Yeah. So it must be as late. 90s. So what are your thoughts on clarity as an album in general? It, to be honest. And I know I probably upset a lot of people when I say this, Bleed American was my entry point for Jimmy World. So I, clarity. Well, I was going to, uh, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. So clarity for me, it's like, it's one that I've had to go back to. And a lot of the time when you go back on albums, you don't get that same experience, do you, of, of being there when it was first released. So it, to me, it's just always sounded like, as though there's some good songs and I do like uh, a, a sort of a handful of the songs from that album. The production has always put me off a little bit 
because yeah. Bleed American is such a, a step up. Well, yeah, because um, the, 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 suddenly their budget, I can't remember what the budget was, but I remember Jim talking in a podcast about it. They went from having literally pennies on clarity to suddenly having basically a blank check. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the album campaign just was mad, wasn't it? How how quickly that blew up and that was a single. It's really weird, actually, just to take from that point, going back to something and it not quite... You, you appreciate it as an as a album because you like the band, but I think talking of a band that did that for me, Green Day, everyone loved Dookie, but mm-hmm. the first album I ever bought of theirs was full album that wasn't international soup hits because that was actually my entry point was the bloody greatest hits i think my mum got it for me for christmas but i remember going to red rock and i think the cheaper of the albums was nimrod so so i it took me a while to get into dookie i I love it as an album but i was always to this day nimrod is still my favorite green day album but a lot of people would argue that it's oh no it's dookie it's dookie it's funny isn't it because it is yeah. just what you listen to first you tend to um uh imprint upon so to speak like you know yeah, that's definitely. the one you go for it's like I've, I've with green day i've never gone pre dookie i've never really bothered with the uh uh kaplunk or um the the two eps that they put together i've, I've, I've never moved out slappy hours yeah i don't know them at all well, so there's some good tracks on those oh I, i'm Obviously, I'm, I'm probably with the older stuff. I'm you're uh, probably more knowledgeable about the newer stuff, and I'm maybe more knowledgeable about the older stuff. But um, yeah, there's some good stuff on those earlier albums. But yeah, my entry point, sort of as an album, was Nimrod was the first album I bought. I just love that yeah. album and Insomniac. Yeah, Dookie might. I don't well now. Nah. Anyway, we were talking about Jimmy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But no, these live streams are good. And I just, I, when I'm watching them, and I felt the same with the Less Than Jake one, that it's almost a shame that they they aren't able to just like post it on YouTube after and benefit from the ad revenue as well. Because they, particularly those Jimmy ones, like they are so well shot and mixed and produced that, you know, anyone watching them at any time would, would enjoy them. I and think Less Than Jake's on YouTube now. Yeah, I did see it. Came I don't up, know if it's official um, though. This is the thing, yeah. I, I think someone's probably craftily uploaded it a bit yeah. like the Goldfinger one. Well, um, yeah, that was up literally the next day. Yeah. Oh well. Anyways, but, um, could you imagine any other bands that you like doing it this way? Like, because there are a couple of companies, mm. especially in America, that are sort of saying we can do a, a, a like a thing. Um, there's a podcast I listened to. Um, that one time was, on tour. Yeah. I was going to say that there was a chap that was on the Mike Carrera podcast that was talking about setting up. That's it. Uh, yeah. The, um, he used to be in the Ataris. No, no. Uh, yellow card. That I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Could possibly be a totally different guy doing the same thing. Maybe it was, he had the guy in yellow card on and he was discussing it. Because the guy who presents that one time on tour was Ataris. He was in the Ataris, but maybe he had the same guy on. To yeah, it would probably be he was probably doing the podcast tour. So you're probably right. But but yeah, you're right. There obviously there are a lot of companies that are setting up doing this sort of thing. But yeah, I think that anxiety that you get when you're watching a live stream and it's being played live in that moment of just like this this could cut out 
in a minute. Like I, I like removing that from it. And to be fair, even with the Jimmy ones, there's still there's still a live stream that you're watching, even though they're not playing live at that point. Yeah. And I did have a couple of weird things happen. Like I was watching it the other day, and just for some reason, my TV decided to tell me, "Oh, you can't get this BBC One channel." And I'm like, "Why the fuck is it cut to that?" And obviously, there's just something on my TV because I, what I do is I I put it on my laptop bounce it to the TV. Yeah. Uh, but I guess what's happening is something that's going on with the TV is interfering with that connection and it cut out. But I said to Sam, I was like, the way that I'm choosing to look at it, because it's the sort of thing that would really piss me off. You know what I'm like? Yeah. But I'm choosing to look at it like this. When you're at a gig, things go wrong. People yeah. step in front of you, spill a beer on you. You know, there's always interruptions. Like the sound might go down a little bit. So all these modern technology things that happen during a live stream, it's the new gig experience. It's just part of it. Yeah, I think I dipped out of the live stream thing. And I, I, I should, I'm sure I can still get a ticket for the Jimmy ones and go back. I think they're doing them two weeks at a time. So I don't know. I, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll put I'll, them all up. I'll look into it. But I think I personally got a little bit tired of the sat on a sofa in a bedroom. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we've kind of had these two waves of it, haven't we? Like there was the um, the first sort of era of it was, um, yeah, yeah, people mostly playing Which solo was great acoustic. And, and, and good on them. And, I, you know, if it helped make them some money or their band money or whatnot, I, mean, I don't want to mention any names because they were very good, the ones I watched, and I was very dedicated to them. But I do think I just got a little bit, not bored isn't the word, but, is the word you want to do something else with your time yeah well the lesson uh, jake one was good you know the way they did that and it was a bit different and it was they put some thought into it and the goldfinger mm-hmm. one was okay i wasn't massively keen on the actual set list itself. i think they have a nice it, thing about the jimmy one well, you know yeah i think they have a nice thing about the jimmy one is that before the show they do like a pre-show um like piss up? mini podcast oh <laughs> no <laughs> mini podcast where they talk about the album as well so you get that little bit oh of it, there we go which is a, uh, i yeah. like that element of it so so it's like half nine you sit down you get the pre-show and then 10 o'clock the show itself starts so it's as i say it's been quite nice just sort of following it and having it to look forward to like i'd almost be happy if they'd done all 10 albums in a row each week and just had it there each week to go through them. But I I think oh, maybe what they'll do that. is let the dust settle on these and then perhaps come back to it because surely bands have got to be thinking that if they've got something like that up the sleeve, they don't want to um, do it all at once. I think that was the issue with Frank. He he burnt through his whole catalogue <laughs> and now he's having to do um, the request The first shows. three albums, the second, the next yeah. three albums. He's, he's yeah. changing the titles, but essentially it's the same sets. But the poor guy, like he didn't know that he would still need to be doing it. Like no, and, uh, eleven and, months and later. Let's be honest. Frank was at the forefront of the the streams. As soon as he could, he was like, "I'm getting on Facebook." And but you remember Ben Gibbard was doing great. it as well. Oh yeah, Ben Gibbard was good. I'd love to see a a, a fully polished Def Cab one. Mm. Um, Def Cab for cutie for anyone who doesn't know. Um, I'd love to see that, and because I think that would work. It, there's there's certain bands. Ben Gibbard on his own had this sort of sweetness to it. Like it was very sort of quaint and he chucked in different songs. And a lot of, yeah, a, a lot of lesser known tracks actually that worked well on a piano or sometimes he would just do a full hour on piano. Sometimes it would be on his lip, like on the acoustic. But there are certain bands which just wouldn't work as a full band. I think what Frank has got in his favour 
is he works well with just a guitar, so he does get away with it. But it, I mean, yeah, like you said, he never thought he'd be now approaching forty live streams or whatever it is. Mm. You know, it's mad. But yeah. you know, it's it, tours are still being rescheduled now. Um, yeah, but, I mean, if, depending on how things go, like you know, if it, if it's a case of bands can't play this year, I'd, I I would like to see you know, even just a handful of the artists that I like decide to do something like what Jimmy have done, where they spend a bit of time getting a good uh, show together and and making that available. And, uh, you know, in lieu of not paying for gig tickets this year, I'd, I'd be happy to support the bands doing that. Uh, but who knows? Who knows where we'll be? Anyways, did you want to move on to talk about band logos? Well, yeah. So, so band logos or or band fonts as such, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you 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 made the point that this could easily become like an ongoing topic. Yeah, definitely. That we, we pick up along the way because there's just obviously every band has either, in fact, some don't, which is probably why we won't be mentioning. But you know, most established bands will have a font or a logo that stays with them for the whole of their career and some chop and change. And I, 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 we just thought it would be an interesting topic to, to to sort of discuss it because it's, it's some of them are iconic, aren't they? Yeah. Do you, this is one of the first questions I want to ask you about this, because this, this was a topic that you thought of us discussing. How important to you are logos now compared to the days when, you became very good at replicating logos for things like when we used to do uh, copies of, of albums for each other yeah. or to draw on a backpack or like jeans or that sort of thing. Like I, I think like obviously back then, like the logos were a big deal for us because it would be like what we'd have on the first band t-shirt that we'd buy or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, where, what's your journey been with that? Like, how do you feel now? Do you still get excited about, band logos it sounds like a bit of a lame thing to say but i, no, I think there is there's good reason to i do i i think i i, I do because i'm still uh, you know i like that a band might keep their their font or a logo for the whole of their career so when a new album comes out it's so it's them you know you see it and you go that's the logo and some bands get away with it because i, I was thinking of I'll, dro- I'll drop one straight away. You know, when you think of a band, one of possibly one of the biggest bands in the world, Foo Fighters, what mm-hmm. logo do you see? Uh, the two Fs. The two Fs. Impressive kind of font that are joined together. But they've only used that on one album. Which is... Um, the one with the... Um, the, the picture oh. of his tattoo on the back. It's, yeah. uh, do you know what, right? It's probably one of my favourite Foo's albums, but I can never remember what it's called. Nothing Left to Lose? I think it is, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they're a band that have managed to change the font um, or logo or whatever, pretty much whenever. Every but they could, yeah. yeah, but they could bring that back on a T-shirt and people would straight away know that was Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. But they used it once. You know, yeah. it, it's mental, like that F and F. And they've, they've been very lucky We've we've been able to do that. I suppose as you say, it's the difference between the 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 typeface and the logo, isn't it? Because yeah. for some bands, 
where they don't have that sort of emblem logo type thing, it's the uh, it's the typeface that's more recognised. So here we go. Here's the Less Than Jake reference. Although I think we did mention it already once today. The Less Than Jake font is is immediately recognisable as that's the Less Than Jake font. But yeah. that's not necessarily their symbol, their logo. That might be more identified with as the Evo Kid, yeah? Yeah. Um, so it's slightly different for, for various bands. But I think when you get that sort of Foo Fighters F and F, that's very easy to be used across a lot of merchandise, isn't it? So that will be yeah. the drum head. That will be the thing on a wristband, say, or you or know, a tattoo. Like, well, they've just done the uh, the vans. Uh, yeah, for... yeah, and that is on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which immediately when I saw them, I was like, I, I like that because I like the logo. I don't necessarily want them, but I, I thought it looked cool because it was immediately recognisable. I'd almost rather they had that than had just a pair of vans with foos in a random font that they've not used before. So I think I think there is something about like the the warm feeling that you get from that sort of recognisable uh, font. Like... I always get, and this isn't one that I'd necessarily listed to, to talk about today, but whenever I see the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones font, like it just, there's something like warm and fuzzy inside when I see it. Even oh, with though that, the, uh, the skulls on yeah. the eyes. Yeah. And I think for the, mo- for the more recent releases, they've kind of done variations on that same thing to suit the yeah. artwork, which is quite clever. Um, but yeah, I think when you see logos and things, it, it can give you a sort of a, yeah a warm feeling inside which is so strange really because it's not um it's not like you're actually hearing the music well, yeah, but this so, is where it, sorry go on no i just wanted to put some um clarity on the foos thing so the color and the shape uses those f's in foo fighters ah, right, and yeah. then the, there is nothing left to lose on the tattoos but, simplifies it but it's if they don't on the album cover they've never put it in the circle Unless you were, and the greatest hits was that great? I think that might have even been a different. No, no, you're. You, yes, you're right. It, it is on the center of that, and I think they've used a different font accompanying it. Yeah, so accompanying it, so they clearly know it's in their armory to mm. chuck out this onto a patch or whatever. Um, but wait, what you said? Oh, who did you just mention? A Boston's? No, not Boston's. Less than Jake. <laughs> well, no. Well, yeah. So with Less than Jake, sorry. I wouldn't draw Evo Kid, but I could draw for you now a pretty good version of the Lesson Jake font yeah. name. Because I do, we spend I so it. much time doing it. And th- th- I think the only album they've never used it on is Greased, because that was in italics. Oh, no, there are a couple. Um, it's uh, not on Board Boundaries. Yeah, and, and Good Blood. And I don't think it's on... Actually, there's, no, there are a few. It's not on See the Light. It's not on GMVFLA. I think they had a break between In with the Out Crowd and Silver Linings. So there was there was quite a while where they where they didn't use it. Um, and I wonder whether them using it on this new design because they they could have got away with not like that new artwork that uh, that Peter did for them. It could have had a different font there that might have perhaps suited the artwork a bit more. But they did almost Comp- go out of their way to include it, it doesn't it doesn't stand out like it's, it's not as if it's um it doesn't work with the rest of the artwork but they could have gone with something that was more in keeping with the rest of the art but they they chose to use that classic style and i wonder whether that was because they um they wanted to give that feel of a classic less than jake vibe after having you know not released an album for a few years and you know some slight changes with the band and yeah and whether that might have been part of it a, a similar one and 
it's, this is actually isn't a band that we talk about that much, but Newfound Glory, they shied away from the the kind of um, it's almost like a labeling kind of like logo, isn't it? Like the two different bits, new, three different bits, Newfound and Glory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They moved away from it, and then they came back to it. So I think sometimes it is used in a kind of nostalgic way by bands to sort of indicate a kind of like return to roots type of Don't approach. Don't worry, album. here, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe after a couple of albums where, not that they weren't well, well, well received or that they'd alienated people, but perhaps they were slightly more off kilter albums um, that they returned to what people recognise. I wonder yeah. how much there is to that. Well, about a band that I know have kept it, and they, when we, when I first thought of this, I don't know why this particular band really, because we do not talk about this band, but Muse. Mm-hmm. Can you in your head picture the Muse logo now? It's like it's not a, a test. A, you, you know, I, I know they're not really your. It's like well, a. It, either, it's like a sans serif, like basic font, isn't it? And it's got like a line above and a line below. Exactly, exactly, and they still <laughs> use and they still Some use point. it. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, they still use it on every album. They've kept it. And I think what that means is if you commit and get a tattoo, you potentially know that by the next album, your tattoo isn't out of date. Now, I get it. A tattoo is of that time. I've got tattoos. I have multiple tattoos. I have band tattoos. And one of mine went out of date as quick as I got it, you know, but it doesn't bother me because I liked the logo. But what's wrong with that? Well, basement, I've got a basement, but that was more of a, like a t-shirt sort of design that they did. And I liked oh, it. Oh, the beanie kind of yeah, thing the, with the, the beam yeah. of the um, You know, I've got, but it, it's funny, like bands like Muse that have kept it, even you could see that. And I know you don't own a Muse album. I'm, I'm sure there's tracks of Muse you, you don't mind, but they're not a band that I would be thinking of every day of the week. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I know that logo straight away. It's interesting because I think if you were to say to people like some of the classic ones like Rolling Stones, like people are going to know them. But yeah, you can get down to that sort of next level of, of well-known bands, but even them, you can sort of recall the logos as, as we were just doing. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I remember going on the websites back in the day and downloading that particular type of font to see what your band name looks like. I think the biggest yeah. one maybe was the Iron Maiden font, mm-hmm. um, whatever it's called on on the font things. But they've they've had that throughout their career. Now there's people with that tattooed across their back, you know, and that's just that is a lifer font. That is, we are here for life. This is sharp. It's the same with Metallica. I think they've dabbled with different fonts over the years, but they've got that one with the the M and the, the N M, yeah, yeah. that comes out. And a lot of bands have sort of plagiarized, not plagiarized that because that's not the thing, but they've adapted it. I think even possibly Less Than Jake have done something with that particular font to make like a metal tee once. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of bands have either done that yeah, with like an Iron Maiden. Yeah, a parody. Parody is the word. Thank you. Um but, you know, these are iconic band logos. And the fact that other bands sort of do a play on that in a, on a T-shirt design, it, it obviously proves that, yeah, we recognize how iconic this logo is. Um, but I, I, you, it's just funny, isn't it? Like, why, what would you do now being in a band? Would you stick with one or would you chop and change it? That's a good question because we didn't did we with Canada no. Water like we, we had a few different ones and I guess for us 
still being in sort of the early days of the band, we didn't really arrive on anything that was um, that that just naturally became our associated uh, font. No, um, I think perhaps if we'd continued, there was one that we had in the in the sort of latter days of the band that um, that maybe could have been the the one that we used because uh, it was it was quite a neutral sort of font, which was the one that the two layers and it almost had a bit of a Star Wars vibe about it actually. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which I obviously quite liked. We had the italics um, for a bit, didn't we? Which went on a few posters. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which was on a t shirt, wasn't it? Or yeah, it was, it was almost like a like a varsity type thing, that was wasn't it. it? Like, yeah, cursive type stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, interestingly, one of the ones that I've I've listed here is a is a logo that I like so much that I was considering doing a version of it for not for Canada Water but for County Trials. Um, so, should I talk about that one now? Yeah, yeah, crack on. That's the Lagwagon logo. Oh yeah, yeah, in now, the. In the, the oval or whatever yeah, you call oblong, it, oblong. I guess it is, isn't it? It's like yeah, a, oblong. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that logo. Now, I'm not going to say I like the logo more than the band. That would be silly. But, but I like do. the logo <laughs> as much as the band. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not one of my all-time favourites. But I, you know, I like a bit of Lagwagon. But I love that logo, and I don't know what it is because it's not necessarily the most punk-looking logo. It's quite a neutral style yeah i'm looking it? at it now and it is it's it's, it's like very metallic logo and it's and it yeah it's in it's inside that um yeah that stretched circle oblong whatever you want to call it yes but it's good i had this whole idea of doing something like that and it was when we didn't really know what the band was going to be called and i had this idea of uh one of the names i had in mind was was half acre right the re- where that came from was the Scrubs episode where he buys the half acre, yeah, but yeah, doesn't yeah. build the house on it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it was it, that was what the band I, I, the idea for the name was going to be. But I pictured it all along in my head in that same style as the as how the Lagwagon font is, uh, and I don't even know if it was because I'd imagined the band were going to sound like Lagwagon, because actually, and we talk about this quite a bit, don't we? Off podcast about how lagwagon have their kind of classic punk rock sound and then almost a bit of a heavier kind of side yeah, um, yeah. and i listened to a good podcast a while back with joey cape talking about this um but they yeah i think they they're, they're almost like metal fans as much as they are punk rock and it, it, it yeah. the sound kind of goes to either side so that logo for them i think is actually very good because it doesn't even look too metal or, or too punk rock. So I think it's quite a versatile logo. And I'm pretty sure they've used it for most of their albums, if not all of them. Yeah, I think th- there was one where their name wasn't even on it. And I think possibly what there was two that don't oh, use maybe it. maybe Blaze. I think Blaze might be a different one. Um, yeah, uh, Durr, which I don't, is not a well-known album. Early but one, even like Hang. Their most, uh, well, that's um, not the most recent album anymore. Um, but the, that's like, that was the, the album cover was totally different to anything mm-hmm. they'd done before because it was like a photo with the with the noose. And yet yeah. in the top left hand corner, that font is still there. And it, it, yeah. it doesn't suit the photo particularly, but they know the power of that logo. You're right. What it does is it, it gives bands, when they have an established font, it gives them almost a bit of freedom 
to do something different with the artwork, but give that recognition through the repeated use of, of the same yeah. typeface. Yeah, Blaze um, was the one they didn't use it on, by the way. Yeah. Well, but interestingly, well so I, when I was trying to think of different logos we might talk about, I was thinking, like, can I maybe think outside the box here? Like, what's a band that is, you know, perhaps not as cool to talk about, right? And this is this is how my my mind went, right? It's like, right, okay, what old bands did I used to like, right? Steps, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> this is a bit, you know, like... The fucking Steps logo is like the Lagwagon logo. It it's is. pretty much the same format. I can picture it now. Yeah. But it wasn't like I thought to myself, oh, I like the Lagwagon logo because it looks like the fucking Steps logo. I was just thinking to myself, if I were to talk about that band, right? Yeah. And, and by the way, like I mean, this is probably a story for another time. But when I was very young, I was I was into that band and I did see them live in concert. Um, but I think to myself, fuck, it's a similar thing, isn't it? It's the cursive it's, it's font. It's almost identical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really so, is. I'm looking at it now. It's almost identical. Yeah. I might have to do one of those screen side by side. Yeah. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? So I obviously have a particular like for that style. Um I never did rip it off. We went for something totally different. Maybe that's why so. you remember the Muse logo so much. That's that's sort of bordered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um you know, like you say, oh, do you like the nine inch nails? Um Oh, it's in a box, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's all right. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) Um, So for me, I think staying with the punk band feel, a band logo that I tipexed particularly a lot on Eva. Do you remember that? Like what were big at festivals? Everyone would go and buy those green shirts with the German flag on the sleeve. Yeah, yeah. I had one from the army surplus shop. Yeah, well, I got my. I had one from the army surplus shop, and then I bought one again at Reading Festival because I think I'd forgotten to take it with me. <laughs> and I just used to tipex shit on it, you know. And yeah. one of the ones that I remember tipexing a lot was the Rancid logo. Mm-hmm. And that oh, that's a, a fun one to do. That's a logo that stuck with them, and I ca- I can't think of an album they haven't used it on. Um, because that's quite a fun logo. The because it actually looks the style of it anyway looks as if it has been done. Yeah, graffiti. So I don't think they used. They did like a version of it on Troublemaker, but it's it's within the same. It looks as is like a stencil. Um, but it's that's like you say, it's almost like it's been graffitied like Mm -hmm. through a stencil, and it's just and it's very punk rock, and it's you know it does look DIY, and I just think it's such a cool logo that you could see you could see someone graffitied it and goes yeah that looks cool whereas you know it's better than just writing you know a tagline or whatever in some just plain boring font i think what yeah. works with these fonts is when they've got something that stands them out and i can't think of a you know up until you mentioned in steps i couldn't think of another logo that looked like the Lagwagon one but i can't think of another logo like the rancid one and i think that's incredibly hard to do when there is thousands upon thousands of bands i remember back in the days when i was in sort of a, we'll call it a ska band but it was like indie ska it was like four boys almost doing like a more poppy version a, a more ordinary boys toned down a bit i don't know what you'd call the that but el paso de zebra the band i was in it was but like a pop reggae ska something you know thing. 
There was no horn section or anything, but it was, you know, enjoyable. And I, I just basically skanked around the stage and sang. But I remember we picked a logo finally off some website and then the King Blues went and nicked it. Oh, and I was yeah. Like, how am I going to argue to toss that one? You know, the King Blues, <laughs> clearly the King, but I'd never, you know, I'd never seen that logo before because if the King Blues has had it and I'd gone, oh, I quite like that logo. I'd just say now that I've got nothing to lose or gain from it. But clearly bigger bands were doing the same thing as us, going yeah. on a font website and choosing a logo that worked, you know. But that is, but that, um, I can remember the one you're talking about and that almost does have a bit of that, vibe from the ranted one it's not quite as jaunty angled for each letter but the the sort of like cut out kind of like blocky effect of it um now at this point i think i'm going to say that this is a very difficult subject to do (laughs) something visual on an audio medium but we will post these logos on our instagram uh, at two track my pod so if you've got this far and you're wondering what on earth we're talking about and you haven't had the um the 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 thought to actually go and google these then just pop onto our instagram we'll, we'll post them there but yeah that is that's similar isn't it it is quite one. similar i'm looking at it now and it is a bit sort of graffiti a bit stenciled, stenciled. Um, that's i think the key isn't it it's uh but you, you could do it with a spray can as you say it's graffiti type stuff. but there's there's definitely bands now that are out there and i think you're right about the visual people need to, but there's, I can meant I could chuck a few names at you now and you won't see the name. You'll see an image. Mm-hmm. So the offspring, yeah, you, you're seeing the flame and skull. I sure. think from conspiracy of one, I almost got it tattooed. Potentially it's something that if I ever got more tattoos, I would like something to sort of memorize, you know, have a memory of them because I do love that band. And then you've got a band that sort of did it more recently. And then you think about it and it isn't more recently at all because actually the sound was released years ago, but blink one, eight, two, that yeah. the face that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, with the arrows coming out the side of it, you know, they still use that now on merch and, um, on their bases and stuff. You know, I know Mark Coppers has now gone to the octopus again, another logo. And I don't follow Mark on Instagram. I don't really use my personal Instagram anymore, but I know he's got this octopus thing and that's just a logo that he's managed to coin to sort of do the hi, my name is Mark thing. That's right. Yeah. And he's managed Uh, to make a bit of a clothing line out of just that image. And I know that I know that bloody image, you know, and you know, um, who else am I thinking of? Nirvana, the probably the biggest one. The the face yeah. with the tongue and the cross eyes. You know, I guess it represents someone who's maybe on something or something. You know, and you read about but, that in your Nerfx book. <laughs> but I can, I can see it now, and then it's just mental. Like the 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 logo is almost like used not about the language and the liking thing, but the logo is almost as big as the band. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's how they can manage to sell t-shirts in Primark, isn't it? People don't need to have heard Nirvana. It's so iconic. And the style is such a uh, recognizable image that uh, you can sell a t-shirt. It doesn't matter that people haven't heard it. it, 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 I know know there's always a bit of uproar when that happens, but you know, it's just, it's become, uh, it exists beyond the band, doesn't it? Um, Speaking of t-shirts, by the way, do you remember that, uh, that Tegan and Sarah one that I had that was like a rancid parody? On the front? 
Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. it was Stephen Sarah in the rancid font, and then the way they'd done the picture was that sort of that rancid kind of like uh, kind of style. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what you'd call that. And I actually tried to, um, I tried to replicate that style on a photo recently in Photoshop to see if I could do it. And I'm not quite sure how you achieve it. Uh, oh, I did find some tutorials, but it was going to take too long to do it. But, um, <laughs> but no, I love it. I, I, I really do it. And I think it's interesting. Then when you when you get something like that and you see another band do a similar thing, it's almost like a like a like a crossover, isn't it? Or like a collaboration type thing. Like obviously, I'm sure Tegan and Sarah didn't um, ask Tim Armstrong to you know, to collaborate with them on that design, but it, it's like fusing two things that you love, which are almost quite different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can have a lot of fun, I think with it, but talking about the, um, the faces, like the, the, the offspring one and the, the blink one, obviously the, the Nirvana one, but particularly the offspring and blink one, they didn't introduce that until later into their career. Did they, that was quite a relatively, I mean, now in, you know, in, in context, obviously, those two bands have existed for probably longer than they did before they introduced these things, but they'd already had quite a few albums before they introduced those two icons. And the other one that the one that I was thinking about that I've listed here is the hold steady. So the first few albums that they did different logo for each uh, cover, but when they got to stay positive, that's when they introduced the, the SP stay positive type thing with the plus sign in the middle. And that's now become an icon of that band and like almost a, a a logo that's not quite a logo but they use it on a lot of merchandise and stuff in the same way that we've been talking about some of these other bands but they didn't get to that until i guess it was four albums in yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange isn't it? I, I i think i don't know that bands necessarily set out to do it like i don't know whether when offspring did the flaming skull that they thought and this is going to be our emblem that we use across all merchandise i think it was just such a simple and remember mem- and memorable image that once they'd done that album they thought we can use this again and they did on the greatest hits and so did blink like their yeah. greatest hits album was just pretty much the same artwork as the album before it just in a different color scheme i do what i do wonder with the offspring one if they sort of said we've got you know we've got this idea for a flame and skull or whatever or whoever it went out to thing and they had whatever art come back and I bet they said, oh, we really like that one. And I bet someone tapped him Dexter on the shoulder and went, there'll be people getting that tattooed yeah. for the rest of your life. Hmm. Well, let's run with that one. But yeah, I don't, I, I, wonder, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think they probably sat down and went, we need a logo. You haven't got a logo and people can't draw the smash artwork. Yeah, I think the tattoo thing, I think you might be onto something there because so people might get, say, the smash artwork, but perhaps not as many people because that's going to be a more expensive tattoo because it's harder mm-hmm. to do, but you could almost imagine it. And I, I mean, I don't frequent tattoo shops that much. Maybe, you know, perhaps more than I do, but you could almost imagine like a tattoo artist having a page of like band logos that like you can have any of these because we do these quite often and we're pretty good at nailing that particular oh, logo. Oh, definitely. I think if you go in and say, you know, can I have the, um, can I have the blur logo? I think they'd have a rough idea how to draw it, you know. <laughs> Blur have kept, <laughs> Blur have kept the same font. <laughs> oh yeah, the really smooth B, isn't it? They've got no, it's not. It, it's all really smooth. That Blur, like, isn't it? Well, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the not nine o'clock news sketch when the old man goes into the um, the hi-fi store and asks for a gramophone. It's like, yeah. oh, you want a Blur logo to your granddad? Yeah, all right, yeah, sit over there, we'll do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you've got a copy of Alex James's biography. Apparently, he's uh, living in a squat. It was a t- it was a toss up between the uh, the steps logo and the Blur logo. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, Green Day had that image as well, didn't they? At one point, uh, the uh, the the hand grenade in the heart. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah. And before that, they had the warning. Do you remember the, the yeah the guy the, getting electrocuted? Yeah, because I almost got that done as my first tattoo. Uh, I'm showing Liam on my where the compass is on my arm. Okay. That was almost going to be my first tattoo, and I, I just couldn't decide on it. And in the end, I went for the star, um, original. Uh, but yeah, I can. I, I think you're right. Something like, like the the flash sheets. I think that you could easily have That's a band logo like, yeah. flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on there, they'd probably have you know the Kiss logo, which is very yeah. sort of stayed the same. And I. I'm trying to, I want to, I really want to talk about bands that we don't just talk about all the time. And there was one that I kept thinking of, and that was The Strokes. You remember that mm-hmm. third, the first one they came out with? And it was almost like, I don't know, almost um, Art Deco-esque, The yep. Strokes. And that that was circled, wasn't it? And yeah. I, I can sort of remember that. And it's mental, really, that you said. You know what's mad about that is that I did have the sticker of that. And it was oh, on no. my old acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was probably because, you know, in that case, I liked the logo more than I liked the band. I'd never yeah. owned an album. Yeah, definitely. I, well, yeah, I, I've never, I don't own a, a Strokes amp, but I certainly can remember that. But it's, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, so many, like the Rolling Stones, the tongue. Mm-hmm. The Ramones, the the names around in a circle, that's now more mm-hmm. iconic than the band, you know. And like you said about these bloody shops, uh, these bloody shops taking our band logos. Um, these shops now, that have, have, they buy the rights to the artwork and they can shove it on what they want. And that's mm-hmm. why you get all these celebrities and everyone automatically, that's another story, another conversation, but people automatically assume they don't know who these bands are and they're just wearing yeah. a, a dead Kennedy's T-shirt with the D and the K or the bad religion cross that's in the circle. But actually... Doesn't, do you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like, uh, there probably was a point when I was younger where it might have done, like, if it was a band that I was really into. But a lot of the time, they're bands that are so big that it's like, like you say, like, the logo is bigger than the band almost. Like, it, it is just the style. It's almost like if someone had a quote on their t-shirt that was from a book that the, they probably never bloody read. Do you know what I mean? Like it just yeah, yeah, yeah. It supersedes where it came from. But yeah, de- definitely. You know, because I think maybe not from the NerfX book. <laughs> well, no, no, you wouldn't have a quote from that. Um, but you know, that, that motorhead sort of um, mm-hmm. the, uh, is it, it's like a bull's. Horn. It is like a bull. It's a bull. And, uh, I, I, my, I had a Motorhead t-shirt that was bought for me and that I know that was from Top Man. It, <laughs> it wasn't bought from like some Camden market, you know, it's not an eBay purchase, original 1980s Motorhead t-shirt. It was from Top Man. I got it for Christmas because my mum had seen it. I think I got a pair of jeans and a Motorhead t-shirt and I did wear it, you know, <laughs> Come oh, on, na- 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 name three Motorhead songs. That's always the, uh, the test, isn't it? Uh, Ace of Spades. Uh, Ace of Spades Acoustic. Uh, Ace of Spades It's all the same to me. <laughs> oh, no, I, could, I, could, I reckon I could name you um, three Motorhead songs. Uh, Ace of Spades, Iron Fist. Um, 
Uh, One more and you can wear the T-shirt. Ah, uh, bollocks. <laughs> that could, for all I know, be the title of one of their songs. I've seen them live. I have seen them live. I paid to see them at Southampton Guildhall. And I pitted, thank you. I watched a 10-minute drum solo, um, which did sort of dampen the spirits. But anyway, you know, I've named two. <laughs> That's more than the fucking Hoosier songs we can name. Hold on a second. No, 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 truth be told. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> but to be fair, you're not wearing a Hoosier's t-shirt, so this is irrelevant. Irrelevant. Move on. Move on. Truth be told. Mister A. Something about <laughs> Ray. Yeah, that's good enough. Um, we are forgetting one of the most iconic punk rock logos. It's not even a logo, is it? Images of the last 30-odd years, and that is Milo. Yeah. An image that um, Chris... Uh, Shari is the guy that's done the recent ones, but I don't think he did the original. I but think he, the has, ori- he does all of the play on it now, and they yeah. have a, they have they use it on... They'll have a, an individual T-shirt for each show almost. Mm-hmm. Like that time we played Philadelphia, and they'll be, you know, we'll wear it. I remember I saw one with bagels. I can't, I don't know where it's famous in America for bagels, but it was like Milo serving bagels. And it clearly been New York, isn't it? Yeah, but maybe, maybe it is New York. Um, I would have gone with cheesecake if it was New York. So maybe, Chris, if you're listening, that's a good one for future shows. But that's just been reused and used and used again in different situations. Yeah. And it's mental. But you could draw that now, couldn't you? Yeah. Now, interestingly, the, I thought you were going to draw it. <laughs> just like square it out. The 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 font hasn't changed either, no. has it? But that's not the the real draw for people, is it? It's the um, it's the the face, obviously. The face. Um, would you class that? That wouldn't really come under the logo idea, would it? I guess like this is what we're saying, isn't it? About a lot of these is that it's, you know, when they first put it on Milo goes to college, like there wasn't that intention that it was going to be what they identified with. And when he was on the Mike Carrera podcast, he was talking about this, wasn't he? Cause he was saying, yeah. like, Mike was saying how weird it is that like, you're a, you're this recognizable image. Yeah. And again, they, they are bordering into that territory of, you might see someone wearing a uh, descendants t-shirt who don't know who they are. Um, but they didn't. They probably didn't think they were going to use it on every single piece of artwork. It was just what they did the first time, and then because it, because people responded to it in a certain way, they thought we we're onto a win, and they, and they kept using it. And I, I think that's what a lot of bands are, have done. It's it's just it's not everybody in intention. It's just like they've got to a certain point. Um, although maybe a cynical side of it would would be to to think that perhaps some bands get to a point and they go. We haven't really got anything that we can put on a T-shirt uh, that's like instantly recognisable. We need something, and then they try and uh, contrive something. The, but I ima- ima- imagine getting to a position as a band where you can you could not have an album title, you could not have the name of your band on the front cover of an album, mm-hmm. and you could just have a logo. So MXPX, you could just have the image the- of the. Pukinetcha Punk, isn't it? I think it's called. Yeah, well done. Um, you could just have that on the front, and albeit you would have to be a fan of that band, but then again... Do you, right, do you know why I know that one? I The first time I saw MXPX, which was at the Pyramids, oh, uh, yeah. probably about, 
I guess about 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bought two stickers that were window stickers yeah, yeah. I had them on my window and oh my god trying to get them off so I, I have a sort of a love-hate relationship with that image because I had to scrape it off when I moved I out of see the them on your window now yeah. pulling up to do whatever we were off to do um but they could have that just on an on the on an album without yeah. the name of the band and if you are looking in that genre you would probably go oh mxpx same Instant. with Osprey. They wouldn't have to have the offspring written on the on the front if they had the flaming skull. Mm-hmm. Same with um, with offspring. Haven't they now put the flaming skull in the text? So the O quite often has the the flaming skull in it. I, I'm, I, I'm sure they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. They haven't done like an album recently enough for me to to sort of be aware. Yes, they they have done that. Yeah, I'm thinking. Was it the yeah, it was Splinter? Splinter. They did it. Um, that was on there. Uh, the one that's got Days Gone By on it. I can't even remember what the album's called. I don't think you need to. No, don't worry. Um, did you have any no, others? No, I, I'm I've, not I've got that a big one. To, that to, me. <laughs> to be rude, I'm just, it's not the best of albums is what I was referring to. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got a big one that we've not talked about that's on my list, oh. which is A. <laughs> oh, of course, that's, yeah. If, if, you, if you misunderstood what I said there, that's a the band a which was notoriously difficult when we were young to try and find them on things like google and social media channels because they're just called a so i don't i don't know what the story is why they were why they were called that i'm sure it's out there somewhere they've probably been asked a million times but i can only guess that it was to be at the top of listings and things but it actually backfired in the digital age because they became ridiculously hard to i I posted something on our instagram page yesterday because it was two years since they played um uh, the anvil in in bournemouth yeah. and even then i'm like what's their handle and it's like the rock band called a and i had to sit there and like actually think fuck what is it it was easier to find jason perry the front man on instagram than it was to find the bloody band yeah 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 but their logo which they have used since the beginning which is just the letter a with the flames coming out the back yeah. which was like instantly iconic and the I, <laughs> the reason i love this uh, this logo so much you didn't do graphic design did you at school did you do te- uh, design technology like yeah. The dt yeah yeah so we had an exam and i think it must have been one of our final gcses and we were told oh you'll have to like come up with some sort of branding for a company like that, that that's what the 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 question will be when you get in to sit down to do this graphic design thing and sit down in the exam hall and the brief was for a a car company or like a i can't remember exactly what it was and it was called a1 cars right so for my graphics gcse which i have a b in and i've gone on to do some graphic design you know professionally you know it's not i'm not um top of my game on on that particular thing but it is currently but yeah it's part of my day job is 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 obviously that sort of thing but for my for my graphics design gcse i plagiarized the a logo <laughs> and basically just added a one into it and had the flames coming out the back um and yeah did did really for well on that exam. i guess it was just for a car company or, or something like that maybe it was like a garage i don't know but it was like obviously at this point we were almost i say at the peak of our a fandom but we kind of were like because they obviously disappeared for quite a few years but <laughs> not like without a trace they just obviously won like a hiatus but yeah. um, 
yeah, I, th- obviously that we had that on t-shirts and things at, at that point and had been to CA. So I just sat down and I was like, right, <laughs> quid's in. <laughs> it was like the luckiest day ever. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I, I probably could have come up with something else. I'm not that, uh, uh, you know, devoid of any original ideas, but I just love the why logo bother? so much. Why yeah, bother? why bother? So I, I, I'm trying to think, have I met Jason Perry? I don't know if I've actually ever met him to talk to. But You have. No, I'm not sure if I have, have I? You have talked to him. I've spoken to him via message. No, you gave him the vinyl. Yeah, when I was courting them trying to do the Hi-Fi Serious vinyl. But I never saw him, did I? Because I gave them to uh, to the chap from Kids in Glass Houses that was filling in for Daniel P. Carter at the time. And um, yeah, I think we spoke briefly, but I've never met the guy. If I do, I will have to (laughs) apologise. Just morally just say to him or say not even apologize just say thanks mate i uh, i have a gcse in graphics thanks to your logo did you have another one because if you've 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 gone i mean we've, we've covered quite a few here haven't we but I think, did you I have think, any well no i think I'll, i think leave it and pick it up maybe you know maybe along yeah. the line because even in my head i'm just thinking of logos i can remember you know like the the who with the arrows sticking out of the O and they just all, when you start thinking about them, mm-hmm. like, and now thinking about Nirvana, they do sort of have that times new Roman style font that was on the greatest yeah. hits, mm-hmm. which I can remember now. But other than that, you know, um, there's so many and I just think it's such a good, it is just perfect advertising because like, like whether they do it or not, they become tattoos, they become back patches, they become t-shirt designs, they become, you know, iconic. People have them on their wall as artwork, you know. Mm. Um, I see, I, I, I love, yeah, but in answer to your question, a long-winded way of getting there, yes, I still get excited if a band chooses to use um, <laughs> a, a logo that they've used previously. I think there's something, maybe it's the most... The, Brilliant. You know, I love nostalgia. We love nostalgia anyway. Like the Christ, that's what this show is almost built on. But there is something nice about getting an album and going, yeah, that's the font. That's the font. <laughs> I love that uh, you brought it back around to the first question I asked, which means probably that's the longest that we've taken to answer a question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think with some of these big topics, like we were saying, like when we did some of the earlier episodes and we talked about like favorite venues or that sort of thing, like we kind of got to the end of it and we were like, God, we didn't scratch the surface like on, yeah. on what we want to discuss about that. So, yeah, see, this is the beginning of, of the discussion. And if you're listening and you've got band Legos that you're screaming at us for not talking about, let us know. And uh, we'll talk about them on the next time we, we pick this up, uh, which won't be the next episode. It's at some point down the line, we'll revisit it and yeah. uh, see what else we talk about. So moving on, uh, if you don't already follow our playlist on Spotify, that's Ed and Liam's Infinite Playlist, go and do that now. You can uh, find it in the uh, the description. What's it called? The show notes? I don't know, for the for the episode on your show podcast notes. app. Show notes. I think I said comments once, and I was like, no, that's not what it is. Um, <laughs> so if you follow that, then the, the next few tracks that we talk about that we've been listening to, you'll see them appear there uh, at some point after this show goes live. Um, so, Ed, what are your latest additions for this? What have you been listening to? What have you been enjoying? I mean, it's, it's we're into the second month of the year now, so we're starting to see some new releases, aren't we? I've got two that I'm pretty obsessed with. Um, there's a couple of albums, but I think I'll save them till um, 
whenever we next get to record. Um, but yeah, so um, Ben Howard released Out of Nowhere. Um, he deleted every image off his Instagram. I, I think some bands are sort of doing this now where the new album campaign and then he just o- uploaded one image and a date and it was all very exciting. Text exchanges were going between me and my wife, uh, Christy, you know, have you I seen this? Cool. no, no, I haven't seen it because I don't, I don't follow him. What's going on. I don't know. It's just a date. And then the next day he released, um, I should say he's now released, as we speak, two tracks, but I'm just talking about the first one because um, I'm still giving the second track a bit of a listen. Um, but the track I'm on about is What A Day. And, oh, my God, as soon as it come on, I was like – because I should explain. I've, I think I've discussed Ben Howard before. I didn't get into Ben Howard until the second album. And the first album I'm still not there with. I wouldn't put it on on my own the um keep your head up keep your heart strong no 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 that one that album i'm not as keen on the second album he started doing different stuff and layering guitars and adding a bit of like more live band stuff to it and we went to see him in uh at the eden project for part of the eden sessions we've now seen him twice there for the second album and the third album and it just became i became obsessed with those two albums in particular so I was really excited to see this, and this just hits every spot. He's slightly changed it up again. There's like an electro- electronic drum beat in the background, mm-hmm. which is continuous, so it's not live drums, but it, it's it's really coolly done. It's like very sort of synthetic, and I don't know, but then straight over the top is his soulful singing, which he's sort of become iconic with in the folk, in inverted brackets or whatever you call them. Um, cause he's, it is folk, but it, it, it's sort of a play on it and it's not conventional folk, but he's got this sort of soulful voice. There's a, there's this warmth to his voice and it's, the song is so layered with different bits of guitar and this electronic drum beat and other little elements that he chucks in. And yet it sounds so simplistic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mad how they do it. Like I, I'd love to know how they do it. Like, because clearly it's not just thrown together because it doesn't. It's, but it's um, it's interesting actually what you said about um, like the the program beat because I feel like there was a time maybe even like as recent as within the last ten years where that sort of thing was frowned upon, but it was kind of like seen as a bit tacky. And I think now artists have found ways to use that as an instrument in a way that you know perhaps like Get Cake Where Cake Fly did you know a long time ago. Um, but to fuse it with other sounds. And and I think the result that you get sometimes can feel quite raw and authentic still, but it's just about the way that it sits in the mix. Like that, um, going back to Jimmy, that track that's on Surviving, that um, 555 track one, yeah. like that should stand out, well, that should stick out like a sore thumb on that album, but it kind of doesn't because it's still sort of in keeping with the vibe of the whole record. Um, and I think Jim was saying on a recent show that he... I think that the drummer Zach um, is is experimenting with a lot of like program beats and stuff for their next record that they're working on, which is interesting oh, because right. as a drummer, like you might think that a drummer might feel threatened by program beats, but I think I think people are finding ways to to be tasteful with it now. So that's that's interesting. Well, I quite like the idea that maybe he's been sat there and he's just pressed play on whatever application on his 
computer or Mac, whatever, you know. And he's just and he's just been sat there almost, you know, with a drink or something. And it's just started playing. And he's just started singing mm-hmm. some of the lyrics. And he's gone, hold on a second. And he's just sort of like grabbed a guitar. And it's got that sort of... Uh, it's got this... It's got... I don't know how you describe Ben Howard's sound. Because it's... It is a bit rawer in its editing. And it's sort of the way it's delivered. And it's... This particular song, there isn't the most amount of lyrics, and there's a fair bit of repetition with the "what a day," but it's just I just sat there and I ended up listening to that night in the dark, and it was a it was a, such a lovely way to listen to it as a song. That's, that's become like one of my favourite ways to listen to new music now. Because oh, good, because I felt like an idiot then. <laughs> because when I'm out walking, like that's my podcast listening time, and yeah. I don't really like to listen to songs when I'm sat working. Because I think like my, my yeah. memory of the first time I heard it is like sat at a, a desk doing, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so, I, yeah, quite often I'll, I'll get into bed and listen to music now. No, I think um, that's great. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited. Unedited, the song stands at like four and a half minutes. The edited version for radio, I guess, is three and a half. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a big question. question. Which version do you want on the playlist? Um, you know, just in case people aren't big fans of him and they're like, they're going to give it a go because I've mentioned it, just put the edited version on. That's oh, fine. Okay. It's It does the same job. It's sort of, it's got like a dreamy quality to it. It's, it's oh, a, such I, a, it, I can't say that I've, I, I've knowingly listened to any of his stuff. So I will definitely check it out when I add it to the playlist. Put it this way, you know, I'll send you the, the track that, you know, people are in uproar if he doesn't play it. But the fact is he just doesn't play anything of the first album anymore. Uh, the times I've been to see him live. And I'm quite happy about that, obviously, as I've mentioned, but he's just moved on. He's just progressed. And now he is the type of artist that when he does a tour, he's doing Hammersmith Apollo. Like he's a big deal now. He's, see, he he's have, almost... um, a, like a set sort of um, roster of guys that play with him, or is it just I, him I, and... I, a lot of it's his friends. So okay. he did a he did a sort of side thing at one point where he wasn't the singer called Blaze of um, Feathers. And they've released some stuff throughout the last year. Um, and it's just mates from like Cornwall Way and they just get together and it's just, I just, I envy Is that where him. he's from? Is that why he plays the Eden? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it always, it's always, it, put it this way, one of the years he played it, Lionel Richie was there. This guy's good. <laughs> no, out of the six shows they do, there were some big bloody names there, and Ben Howard's was sold out first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would love to go and see a show there. I've been to Eden a couple of times, but I've not seen a gig there. Well, I think I discussed it in favourite venues, didn't I? As yeah. just the sound quality oh, God, is. We're repeating ourselves. Well, no, but the, the, I, I must say, like my first experience of seeing him was like. Christy, I've got us tickets. Hadn't really done the second album that much. And then I saw him there and I was just, and that's when the sort of the love affair happened because I was like, and part of that is because of the setting you're in of the Eden um, mm-hmm. project. And like I said, in that, in the venues episode, it's sort of amphitheater, amp, amphitheater yeah. uh, quality with this, but it's the acoustics are amazing because it's just plantation. Mm-hmm. It's just plants. And so it's just, there's, it's, Unreal. If you haven't been to a gig there, go um, and go see Ben Howard there. Um, so yeah, I love that single. 
I'll mention the second track maybe another time, but by then his album might have come out, so maybe I'll okay. just do the album. Um, how about yourself? Do you want me to discuss the second one? Because you will have listened as well. Okay, go on. So Eve, I didn't think anything could beat this as a track of the year for me, but then this track got released the other day, and it is monstrous. Well, it's, it's, only, it's only February. Well, still track of the year. Okay. It's It's a heavier track for them in terms of the guitar sound, but then it is so so the band in the chorus and it is hold steady spices mm-hmm. as soon as i heard it i was like this is going to be good like the, the the oh it's just it's so good it's the so the, the new album's coming out um open door policy obviously we've talked about the last sort of release they did which was like a singles collection that's right slash yeah band compiled of thing. stuff yeah uh, called Fashion Through the Passion. Um, so this is the first album in a, in a few years now of of sort of new tracks purposely made for an album. And then you know we championed the Hold Steady throughout the the year and a half of doing this pod. They're a band that we mm-hmm. we love. You know, some of my favourite live experiences have been watching Craig on on stage with his mannerisms and the way he does it. And even when I listen to albums now. I reenact the bits I've seen him do live. Yeah. Like, um, what was the one the other day? She says, oh, what is it? The line, it's off um, Teeth Dream, the album. It's like track two. And, he, and then he, uh, usually one or two, and he leans forward and just goes, and he just speaks it and the crowd yeah. sing it back to him. It's so good. So they're a band I love. So I knew I was going to, I've loved everything they've done. But this is like a bit different. It's like, like I say, it's a bit heavier for them, the guitar. Mm. And his vocals are delivered with such like passion. Like there's a bit of like, I don't know, not anger. Anger's too harsh a word, but there's definitely like a, uh, a fury to the way he's delivering his sort of narration of what the story he's telling. Yeah. And it's just that. The, then you've got the three guitars, which you, we said this before we even started recording. Franz Nikolai, the, the piano, pianist, keyboard player, he left and they, they got a third guitar in to sort of fill the spot. And then Franz came back, and but they kept the third guitar. And um, Tad came up with this original uh, riff. I was He brought it to a practice and they sort of w- went with it. But the three guitars in this song work exceptionally well because they all add a, a different layer to it. Mm. Um, and is this the third one they've released? Heavy Covenant. So, yeah, I think we had Family Farm and Heavy Covenant. Family Farm's a crap. We've discussed Family Farm, haven't we? Yeah. But it's just, I I just absolutely love it. And like, there's no chorus technically. There's a chorus musically, but there's lyrically there isn't a chorus because he doesn't ever repeat the same line in this okay, I hadn't noticed that. Uh, but, the, but that's the beauty of his storytelling. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. So you don't necessarily good. need a chorus always. Like, in my eyes, he's up there with, like, in terms of storytelling, and people think of iconic storytellers, you know, your Nick Cave or your Tom Waits. He's up there with them mm-hmm. for me. He's so good at it. So yeah. good at delivering yeah. it. Yeah, and, and then he does all the solo stuff as well, and it's like, that well, doesn't He's done a new solo track. Yeah, I think that might have been from the... I think there's a version of something that was on the Record Store Day release, which was like a B-sides and rarities type thing. 
But yeah, on the release radar the other day, it was like yeah. Holsteady and then straight into a Craig Finn. Yeah, track. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. But what, what? Sorry, I talked a lot then, and I. But what did you think of it as a track? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I said to you, didn't I? It was on the they played it on the live stream before Christmas, yeah. and I remember when How they first played it. Like I was that? like, sorry. How did it sound on that? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it stood out because, and that's why as soon as I put it on, because you sent it to me early Monday morning or Friday morning last week. I can't remember when it was. Um, and as soon as I put it on, I was like instantly recognized that that riff again because it almost sounds like it's like down tuned, doesn't it? The yeah. that um that opener. But it's uh yeah, I know I really like it. I've I've not listened to it that many times since they've had the studio version on Spotify. But uh yeah, I'm really looking forward to that album now. I'm I'm oh. sort of interested to see what they've done with it because it's another one where it's weird that they they've been sat on it for over a year because they recorded it a bit like uh Lesson Jake did with Silver Linings. It was recorded post uh, sorry, pre-pandemic, and they just decided to just hold on, and now we're they uh, they held steady, uh, and now <laughs> we're getting it. And when is it? Is it the end of this month? I think. Yeah, yeah, I think there's so, quite yeah. a few albums this month that are coming out because I think Foos is this Friday. Um, Maxwell Park, Maxwell Park, and yeah. Pale Waves. I think was the other one. Yeah, there's a it's a it's a good month actually. Um, but even just I I don't want to just keep going over the song, but the, the horns in the chorus as well. Yeah, and they had guys, they had uh, a horn section come on and do that and a few other songs. So good. I just love that band. I know I'm, I I almost don't want to talk about them because I've said it before, haven't I? That they're like that band I I wish would be bigger, but also secretly I love seeing them in the venues we've seen them. There's a real community around that band, isn't there? And And I can't wait until they are able to come back to the UK and do the um the weekend the residency in yeah. in London again. That'd be great to go to that. Yeah, because it was like a long time ago since we went. Yeah, well we missed one year, didn't we? But we've been before. Yeah. Yeah, but you yeah. just managed to do the one last year before the pandemic. Like it was beginning of March. Like probably one of the last weekends of gigs there were. Yeah, we we randomly didn't go to that one. No. Uh, but but yeah, um, um, so they're the two tracks I really want to talk well, about. I thought you were going to talk about um, Boston's. Ah, oh, when you were saying course. that, when you were saying it's a real monster, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, here he goes, here he goes. Because for those who don't know, the Mighty Mighty Boston's dropped their their new single, and it's like an eight minute guest filled epic anthem that, yeah. as you said, it's called the Final Parade. And uh, this is why I was talking about how I listen to new music, because when that dropped, I was like, oh, I can't hold on. I really need to listen to it now. But I was like, what do I do? I was like, I don't want to be sat here. So I just got up and danced. Right. But it's eight minutes. <laughs> so about five or six minutes in, I'm like, I'm enjoying this, but I'm a bit out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a really joyous moment. And it was like a nice way to hear the song. So I just I wasn't like full on like skanking. I was just kind of like bobbing around in the the room here. And, yeah, um, yeah. pissing off the neighbors yeah oh it's great i know it's, it's a really good song uh, but like you said a couple of days later or maybe the day after when you listen to it again it does fill you with a bit of dread that like it feels as if this could be like the big swan song like for, yeah, Natalie, for the band we they, the they talk where... about it don't they like this is like the final parade and they reference the uh the the brigade which is obviously the, the noise brigade yeah yeah he's not going to take his place um he left himself out of the brigade so he's not going to take his place in the final parade you know yeah, uh, yeah and the fact that there are the 
everyone who's anyone from in the world of and punk, yeah. And I, especially um, Angelo Moore, his hey, hey, the vocals in it that are just like layered in. Yeah, those, those, there's so many, like you say, it's, it's best part of eight minutes long. Um, the main sort of collaborators with it are Tim Armstrong and Amy Interrupter uh, because they've got like full verses. And obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Dickie they've Barrett signed to starts. Hellcat, haven't they? Yeah, they've signed to Hellcat, which I think is promising, unless. But again, I started, my mind started going, maybe they've signed to Hellcat because they just wanted to have one last album on like an independent label and that that they'll call it a day and tim's turned around and said i'll give you any offer to come to hellcat for one album mm-hmm. and they, you know so you could i just your mind plays tricks on you um but i don't know. know that it is it's going to be i just wonder I whether they so. whether they think it could be well i read somewhere that it's in an it's honoring the world of scar Mm-hmm. And it's not a goodbye. It's actually a look how good it is at the moment. Yeah. And it is. That's the guys that did the Scar movie uh, documentary, obviously they were quite excited by it, but they, they made the point. They're like, this is our documentary in a song. And when I was listening to it earlier on, I was like, it kind of is like, you, you kind of get the same vibe. Like when I came away from that document, the sort of warm feeling that I had from the doc, you kind of get that from the song as well. And don't get me wrong. Like it's not my favorite boss tone song. And I, and oh. I can't imagine that it will necessarily even be my favorite song on the album, but just the experience of it all. And like, a that's lot what of it the, is. Isn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's an experience. Yeah. But, it, but, Crikey, in a very dark time, it was a, yeah, it was a beacon of hope. Well, well, fucking hell. Like, I put it on the other night, and it just so happened to be like 6.30, and the boys were meant to be going up to bed. So I I was playing it for our speaker, and I took it off the speaker, and I said, that's it. We're going up the stairs now. And it was still playing. I hadn't pressed pause. It just not Bluetooth to the street. So me and the boys were like marching up the stairs to this, to the, the, the vinyl parade. And I was, now it's the going up the stairs music. Brilliant. So before bed, I have to put on the going up the stairs music. <laughs> <laughs> so every night I'm like, da 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 da, you know. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in madness or something and I'm recreating it. But with the two boys sort of, daddy, daddy, put on the going up the stairs music before we go up. Amazing. And obviously it's eight minutes long, so it's just prolonging bedtime by eight minutes. <laughs> I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I used to um, put my parents' madness album on uh, and, and run around to one step beyond and then like crash out. And that was kind of like my, like, <laughs> like my end of my day. So it's nice seeing like a new generation that, uh, yeah, enjoying Scar in the same way. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, ex- your choice of the word, um, use of the word experience is, because all the elements, I haven't picked out every voice yet. And, you know, some of the voices I just, just make me smile. Like when I heard, I text you, didn't I? Because I hadn't seen the list of who was on it, but you yeah. had. And I text you after, I said, I swear I heard Layla from uh, Sonic Moves 6 in it. And you sent me the list of who was on it. Yeah. And it was like, oh, she is on it. And that, that yeah, clearly yeah. is her. And um, yeah, just everyone. But whoever's edited it, all together and managed to piece that opera. Because you can imagine it's probably been done um, remotely. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just all the little snippets of the hey or the reggae 
in the background that oh. just suddenly appear. And like I said, the Angelo Moore going, hey, hey, it's very slow in the mix. But I was like, hold on a second, something else is happening. And it was through my ears and it was, it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Like you said, I don't think it will be my favourite on the album. But if I'm in a bit of a, you know, dull mood, I was, I, w- I went on a run the other day and I knew I was about a mile from home and I put that on. Brilliant. And lo and behold, I was, I, it sort of fueled the it's last seven time. minutes of my run. It was, it was fantastic. But yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm, no, I can't wait for the album. Yeah, it'd be good. It's just what we need. Um, I've got a couple to talk about. So yeah. first of all, so I've noticed that um, where there haven't been as many new releases, that my release radar has started chucking random things in. But oh, I've yeah. been letting it play through and, and actually see what's come on. And there was one song the other day that came on and immediately I, I thought, oh, I quite like this. Um, and the band is called Fickle Friends, right? Now, it kind of sounds like... Um, the 1975, if they were fronted by... Now, do you remember me talking probably last summer about an artist called Dagny? And I was talking about this, like... Um, I think she's Norwegian pop star that I'd discovered. Yes, now you've said, yeah, now yeah. You've said that. So it does ring a lockdown. That's what it sounds like. So this is, like, made for me. I really like it. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll just look up to see where this band's from because I couldn't really place it from the sound. I was like, it could easily be, like, an American act. So I just... I happen to just think, well, we'll just search Instagram. So go onto the profile. I follow Dagny. So I see this. Dagny follows the band. So I was like, great. So when I call Dagny up to invite her out for a date, I can say, do you want to go to the uh, Fickle Friends show? <laughs> and I know that she likes them. <laughs> Have you got a number? Um, sorry? Have you got Dagny's number? No, but this is, you know, pure fantasy. So don't ruin the illusion. (laughs) But they're from Brighton. So remember the other day we were talking about, um, you know, the first bands that we might get to see post-pandemic. And I was saying, I'd quite like to go and see some new bands and and kind of see it as a bit of like a a new era and and, and give some new stuff a go. But this was the one I said to you, I I said, I'll mention who I'm thinking of. And it's them. I I thought, well, because they're from Brighton, there's a fair chance that I might get to see them. Um. But they just dropped an EP called Weird Years Season 1. I don't know whether they're doing it as like two or three separate EPs. Who knows? Um, but I've watched a couple of the videos on YouTube of the songs. And even though the one that I, I first heard, which is called uh, In Real Life, or IRL, like the kind of text version of it, which is what I'll put on the playlist. Yeah. Um, there's some other tracks that I, I like just as much on the uh, EP. Um, so yeah, I, I was really quite pleased with that but um looking through some of their videos i also found a live set from them at reading a couple of years ago and you know what it really reminded me when that reading lineup drops each year and people are so quick to say oh it's rubbish like yeah. really what they mean and i think we talked about this didn't we when the reading lineup dropped for last year like really yeah. what they mean is that either they don't think it's good value for money because it's not big enough names or it's basically just names that they don't recognize and i wonder if you were to sit down and actually find all those artists that are on the Reading lineup and listen to them, let's say you get into a handful of them, right? 10 or so. It becomes a good lineup, doesn't it? I think this, this is something that other Ed, who we, we talk about sometimes, like this is something that he was always very good at. Like when tours would get announced, he would actually take some time to listen to the support bands before we went to the show. And yeah. I like, 
you know, I've got to be honest, like I kind of got to a bit of a, a miserable point in, in my, uh, my, my late twenties where if I was going to a gig, you know, particularly if it was a work night or whatever, I just, I didn't necessarily have time to, to stand and, and take a chance on support bands. Uh, and I'm quite happy to admit that. And, and in the future, I, I think I'll try and give them a bit more of a chance, but it, it, when you give stuff a go, it's incredible. You know, that you, there's bound to be stuff that you like. You just you've got to just give it a go, haven't you? Sometimes, and um, I got to say that's a that's a result for the release radar. It was it was incredible actually watching the the Reading footage and seeing I don't know what stage they were playing, but there were people in the crowd singing the words. And I think sometimes that's always a good reminder as well to yourself that like there's so much music fandom that goes on outside of the the limited pool of what we like, you know, and and, yeah. and, you, and you don't realize quite how big some artists are becoming. So that was quite nice to see actually. Um, well, there's, uh, Christ, they're, they're associated with, like, they've been on Polydor, which is pretty, as labels go, it's one of the cooler yeah. ones. And yeah, yeah. they're now on that Weird Years Season 1. It's on Cooking Vinyl. Okay. So, you know, they're... That's a cool label. Yeah, again, they, they, they're, they're sort of ticking all the right boxes to as a sort of indie pop, whatever mm-hmm. you want to... Yeah, I'll, I'll check them out. Cool. I've written their name down. I'd like to check them out. They've, they, indie pop. It's, um, you know... The other release that uh, was a surprise one was the the Weezer album that just dropped out of nowhere uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, did you manage to... I sent you a link to the, the story that uh, kind of went into detail about this, that NME ran. Did you manage to open that? No, I could only... When I searched okay. NME, Weezer, blah, 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 I could only get um, an interview about the new album. Oh, uh, okay. I wonder if that might have been the same thing. But anyway, basically, well, no, it was it was like a review and Rivers. It what it, it wasn't what I was hoping for anyway. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so so what I read, he went into detail about it and basically revealed that this album has been completed since like twenty seventeen or something, and they've been sat on it for that long now. I can't remember what it was that we were listening to that was, um, I think it might have been one of the Song Exploder episodes where Rivers was going into his um, songwriting process and how crazily convoluted that is. But I get the feeling that at some point they must have banked a lot of material and they've just been using it for the album releases that have been coming through. Because in 2017, that was the year that they released Pacific Daydream. Now, that came out that year. And then within two years from that, they released the, the Teal album, which was the covers album, to be fair, and the Black album. Yeah, then, they, they were all, yeah, they released Teal album, Black album. Yeah. They had White album in 2016. Pacific yeah, so that Dream was the year before. The, the, the only year they've had off in recent years is 2015. Yeah, and maybe 2020. Oh, and but yeah. they were going, you know... But they were going to release this Van Weezer. So they've got that sat there as well. But his yeah. rationale was that they decided that they were going to release um, Van Weezer because they thought that would be more appropriate if they were going on a stadium tour. The, obviously, the, the Helen Mega Tour, which is it's, it's so funny, really, isn't it? Because I, I think the second episode of this whole podcast, we were talking about that, and that still hasn't happened. And I, I'm not convinced it's going to happen this year. But that whole thing when that got announced obviously the big package of green day fallout boy weezer that was when the announcement was made that's when uh end of the game is it end of the game is that what it's called yeah yeah, when yeah. that track dropped um and then last year we got hero which was kind of starting to work up to there being an album release but then it sort of went quiet again and i think what he was saying is that they decided that 
because they're not going to be touring anytime soon, this was actually an ideal time to release this quiet, orchestral, uh, very personal album that they'd made and been sat on for like three years. I'm just like, I can't believe that they've just got so much material. He, I guess he is just a very prolific songwriter. But how, how did that make it. you feel, feel when you were listening to it? It was weird because, I, oh, do you know what? I almost didn't believe him. If it wasn't for the fact that there's a huge orchestra on it, and I can't imagine many orchestras a bit being able to get together to record in in the current situation, I'd, I'm not sure if I'd have believed it because so, the stuff so he's you, talking about on the songs, like there's even one thing where he's talking about Zoom calls, and I'm like, were Zoom calls that popular in 2017? <laughs> like, but yeah, the whole I didn't. Is around. I didn't, like, because uh, uh, one of the tracks, the uh, Grapes of Wrath. Um, as the the big one, I'm um, I'm on my audible. It's all very. It all sounds too current for me yeah, to. And I haven't read the article. The, the line in, but well, yeah. Probably, well, I, but then again, he just just they could have been sat on the majority of the album, and he's tweaked some of the lyrics because yeah, in that yeah. in that song exploder episode, he talks about how he's got a file which is to do with one thing, a file to do with others. A file to do with, and he labels it very bluntly. You know, this song is about red, the color red. So he'd go to a chorus which might mention the color red in, and he'd piece it together and chop and change it. He isn't a guy who sits there down like a Craig Finn uh, from the whole, and writes a story. He sort of he he was saying that he came up with something in a barbecue. He came up with a line because there was an elderly lady there, so he just went That's home true. and wrote summer rain in drunk dory. <laughs> yeah. And he just wrote those three lines down, but they have no relevance to the verses, yeah. but they just work as a set of lyrics. Now, that probably works for a band like Weezer. Not, I, I guess you're never going to... I don't know. How would that affect you singing along, knowing that? Because when I listen to this album, I've only done it once, but I feel I got a good enough vibe off it to chime in with you. Yeah. Um well, I've got to say, I really actually liked it. And I think the concept worked a lot better than I thought it was going to when I saw it on paper. Because I think sometimes when a band goes orchestral, it can kind of sound a bit too grand. Like it almost sounds bigger than it needs to. And you kind of get a little bit lost in it. But I thought that it was mixed perfectly. Like every time the orchestra was there, it was used to affect rather than just to pad it out and to give it texture. Like it, there were points when like the like the cello or whatever would hit, and it was as it was as powerful as if they were like strumming down on like a power chord or something like that. I, I thought it worked really well, and it to me it was giving me massive sort of like ELO kind of vibes. And interestingly, they did that cover, didn't they, of um, Mr. Blue Sky on the, yeah, on the yeah. album. And it, it, it almost sounded to me like maybe they'd done that cover and that had inspired them to do an album in that sort of 70s kind of style. Um, again, Other Ed I was talking to about this, and he said that it's a bit like when Panic! at the Disco did that Pretty Odd album. Yeah. Do you remember? Like, almost like a bit... Beatles-esque sort of sound. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it wasn't as um, well received, was it? No, I think it was a it was a tough one to follow that uh, that first Panic album because obviously that was huge. But no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it kind of from track to track. I, I, like it almost didn't end. Like each track, like it just kind of kept going. It felt like one long, almost like concept album. Yeah, there were a couple of tracks that I was a bit like uh, uh, playing my piano. 
I seem to remember not. Okay, yeah. In, which is like a minute long or something. It's not very long. Um, no, I definitely need to give it another listen to pick out a favourite. I think I preferred the first half of it, possibly. I seem, but I, I, the uh, the first track I heard was all my favourite songs mm-hmm. because it starts the album, and yeah. um, I've, it's there's a bit in it which is so quintessentially feed uh, uh, bloody feed up Weezer when it goes um, and it the the backing stops and it and it's just him and it, um. And it kicks back in, but it cuts yeah. out and it's just River singing. And I was like, it's amazing that they've even managed to do something so Weezer without really any guitars on a track. Yeah. Because they are like your, you know, Weezer. They're a garage rock band. They are famous for guitar songs. And I know they've changed the the song. They they've changed what they their sound over the years. And they are a band that have like we've just said, churned out albums and singles. Mm-hmm. And they're a band that probably have been, at a, like you saw them at Wembley. You know they are a band that um, just haven't really ever gone away. And you no, ha- the, really, there's only no. one way you can do that, and that's being by very good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed it. The Alagobi track, the first three tracks, I think, are great. Numbers was great. I need to give it another listen because I've only done one listen. Yes, yeah, I do remember it flowing very well. I just there was a couple of tracks where I was like, "Oh, that's a bit short," or something like that. I, you know, I'll give it a proper listen. Um, I thought the name was quite funny. Do you think it's a play on the Radiohead album? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the whole concept of it. Is that it's supposed to be like a anti-technology um, concept yeah. in the album. Um, but not done in a in a, a sort of a, a, a snide sort of way at, at Radiohead. If, if I think if anything, he was saying you know how much of a big fan he was of that album, and it's almost like a homage to to what they were doing at that point, which was when technology was like kind of being welcomed as this like novel thing, and now it's kind of going the other way a little bit. So yeah, I you know sometimes I think Rivers can kind of go off on a bit of a um, a bit of a personal tangent and and sometimes it's a bit hard to connect to, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Uh, and I think possibly it might be at least for the last few albums that they've done, it might be the most solid in terms of uh, like consistency of tracks, because there's been a lot of like sort of experimentation and playing around with different tracks. And I found that maybe I could have made one album that I really liked out of various tracks from the last few albums, rather than liking one from start to finish. So no, I know I did enjoy this and I'll definitely give it another listen. Oh yeah. Well, I, I will do the same. Um, cool. But, but yeah, in terms of releases, like you said, that release radar wasn't amazing this week. And I've, I've just, I've been so busy that, um, I don't know. After the Nerf X book, I sort of took a break from headphones for a bit of work and I've had the radio back on randomly. Um, good. Uh, well, on the radio. Yeah, I don't know. I always find it weird. I don't really hear the radio at all. Like it, occasionally, if I get in my car, which is very, very rare in the current circumstances, uh, like hearing the radio is almost like a, a novel thing. I'm like, fuck. There's, there's still like stations with like DJs and stuff like presenting radio shows. No, occasionally that is funny, and I did. I I just had absolute eighties on, to be honest. Um, there's the yeah, plug for it. Safe bet. A uh, bit of squeeze, bit of uh, all that stuff. We know, um, call for cats. Have you been keeping up with WandaVision? No, I'm waiting. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, doing morning 
kit. I think it could work doing it like that, actually. Yeah, because they're, they're slightly shorter. They're about 30 Yeah, that's what put me off. I didn't want to get invested in, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, it's over. But without spoiling too much, they have different, it, it exists across different decades. So what we've been doing on a Friday night, I mean, this is this is like the extent of our entertainment at the moment from week to week. <laughs> Based on whichever decade the episode is set in, and I kind of get a vibe of which one it's going to be. Um, when we have dinner, we always have, always have music on in the background, but I've been putting on playlists for each decade before we oh, watch right. the show as a kind of like sort of build up to watching the episode. Um, and uh, even though I got it wrong, it, the most recent one wasn't actually set in the 80s. I think it might be this week's one that is. But we had um, a big 80s playlist on uh, last Friday. Nice. And, oh my God. Just you can't so- beat it. So many bangers! Like I just, it, a lot of it takes me back to that um, that night that we had. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is sounded dodgy considering the start of the episode as well. Uh, the 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 big night out at um, Slam Dunk Leeds a few years back when uh, we ditched the, the the sort of punk and you know pop punk room for in favour of the eighties room. Uh, yeah, so good. I just like we're basically on the dance floor like for three or four hours solid. Um, yeah, good times. Looking forward to it happening again sometime. Yeah, that was that was that was a, that was actually a really good room. You know, just all the hits, your own mix. You know, st- Starship, uh, Strangers, Kenny Loggins. Um, listening to everywhere and just like having the whole like the thing is i tell the story like it was the whole room it's probably about 10 people but we had like some sort of synchronized routine that everyone was like doing in a line to that song and i found myself like repeating it and i'm just like it's so silly and it's so simple um and in normal times you could be a bit more cynical and think it was a bit naff really but oh fucking hell like you know what we've been through in the last like 18 months or whatever it's been crikey no not quite that but it feels like it um yeah, man, like, times like that seem like good memories. Wow. On those good memories, let's, um, unless there's anything else, until next no, time. I think that's, um, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Um, hopefully people are enjoying the longer episodes because I get the sense that we might keep uh, them at this length because we've got, we've got a lot of stuff we like to talk about. So hopefully you enjoy well, yeah. it. We, we, we apologise for the slight uh, gap from the last episode, just we're just uh, randomly both of you and I are in jobs that are just busy, and it's just it's a strange, strange time, isn't it? Because you'd think, and you kind of get the sense, you know, obviously from some people that you know, uh, unfortunately furloughed or whatever, like they feel like they've got a lot of time on their hands. But like we've been saying, like for us, it's 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 almost quite the opposite. Like we're, we're perhaps working harder or longer or faster than it sounds like a daft punk song uh then then we might have done ordinarily <laughs> plus you know you've still got two kids and you know we've all got other commitments and that sort of stuff doesn't go away um so yeah it's, but it's we it's fine. we did have a sort of we did say we were going to try and be a bit more regimented and within february's come and we've already sort of <laughs> the rule book has been thrown out for everyone so let's just take a chill pill We'll try and get on top of the episodes. Yes, we now have a we have a master doc of of a whole bunch of topics because we're always coming up with these ideas and, and sharing them with each other, but never um, actually writing some of the good ideas we have. No, so this is exciting. I'm excited for this year for Two Track Mind. And if you're excited, let us know by subscribing rating or reviewing on Apple mainly. I don't think you can review on any other ones yet. But um, we now have enough on Apple that it does say 
a rating of sorts, Ooh. five out of five. Well, there you go. That's only, what we want. There's only 11 reviews. It takes like two seconds. Trust me, I've faked three of them. Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is we've got eight reviews. <laughs> Look, Christie's reviewed it just because she didn't write it doesn't mean she hasn't reviewed it right but anyway you can now rate on acast obviously that is our chosen platform for listening but wherever you're listening to anchor whatever it is you will have a rate uh section so just give us a rating whatever it is a rating helps um and also check us out on two track mind pod on instagram and twitter and find us on facebook by searching two track mind podcast yes um, we've got the group on there as well we've made it a bit easier to find it's also called two track mind as well uh, it was called the brain trust previously you, you're still the part of the brain trust don't worry we still consider you a was it brainy as ed brainy. would term you but just to make it easier we've called that the brain trust as well uh, how about yourself ed where where are you to be found these days uh well um it depends where the job is uh, <laughs> but on the uh, internet oh sorry at run with ed will do um i'm thinking of changing that though again oh. i haven't decided yet so stick with me that could be an ongoing thing for rebrand cool. wow you never know and you i am at liam toms uh on instagram twitter and liamtoms.com where i'm sticking true to my word just... and i am posting there i, ju- I know you've just released a um uh, what was it called? What did I see the title was called? Uh, positivity is cool. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, that's my. Go new and check out. That's actually. I don't know. I, I mentioned it in the post, but that's inspired by that thing that used to be in Kerrang years ago called Stimulants, where they used to write about the things that had like uh, been uh, their like highlights of the last week. Which I used to love that little feature because it would be random stuff like drinking tea with Ozzy Osbourne and I don't know, going bowling with Deftones or something like that. But obviously my life isn't quite that exciting at the moment, but I've been writing um, some of the things that I've been enjoying, just trying in this general uh, spirit of, of sort of staying positive. There you go. There's another connection to the episode um, and, and just being upbeat about stuff because you know what we've got to be uh, because we aren't going to move forward unless we are. So that's my little uh, preach. Ed, thanks. It's been good fun. Hopefully you've enjoyed this at home if you're listening. And we'll say goodbye for now. Bye for now.